Hey gang, welcome to the Digital Utopia podcast episode 40. I'm your host, Frank Cowell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joseph Freeman. Today we're going to talk about the nuances of hunting and closing and how you can use technology to empower the people that engage in those activities and hold them accountable and just make it more fun and cool. Mm, the nuances of sales. I yes, the nuances of sales activities. Activities, yeah. You know, I personally think this is a really fun one because I think sales is something that most companies haven't nailed. Uh, and I think that's kind of okay. But I just love hearing everybody's thoughts on how to break this apart, um, how to empower your salespeople or person uh, in a lot of cases. And so I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations that don't consistently hit sales targets is because they don't have a great sales process and they don't have great sales technology. And oftentimes what they're relying on are sales rock stars. Mm -hmm. And having sales rock stars on your team is great. And everyone wants the sales rock star and many of them, we want to clone them, but it's just not realistic. They don't exist in quantity, unfortunately. And so what you want to do is you want to take high quality people that aren't necessarily you know, these random rock stars that are you know really rare, hard to find gems. You want to take high quality people and give them a process and you want to give them tools that can allow them to outperform their natural ability. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times over the last 15 years have we hired what we thought was a rock star with a little black book that was going to come in and change everything for us? Oh yeah, so many times. And the reality is no matter past experience they have and or network or network and contacts they have, they still have to come in and learn your offering, learn your way. They still have to build up a, a new network around the types of things that you do to get the kind of referrals they're going to need. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's really rare you can hire that person with the little black book and they just go to town and, you know, whiz bang, you've got a bunch of new opportunities flowing in. It can happen. It's just of course. usually not wise to bank on that because it's not very predictable. Well, and I think especially for SMBs, it's hard to do because a lot of times those people come with a price tag that you just can't afford. Exactly. So what do you do? What exactly. do you do instead? So we need process. And we've talked a lot about process on this show. So you mm -hmm. need a sales process. And then you need, you need some really good sales technology to empower these people to let them be as efficient as possible so they can engage the right people at the right time. You're saying we need people. I think a lot of organizations we've worked with have usually a person. Um, I think we should talk about that. Yeah, can, so can you do well, both the, you know, the hunting and the gathering and the closing all with one person? I don't believe that's very effective. I know small companies have no choice but to start out that way. And mm -hmm. so you kind of have to. Yeah. But I don't believe ultimately that's very effective. And to me, that's driven by the first thing I said, which is process. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the process uh, in sales, you really have, there's, you can get into this further. So I'm speaking generally here. So if you're a, a salty sales dog listening today and you say, Frank, there's more than those two, I get it. But generally speaking, you kind of have two major roles. You have hunters and you have closers or two, let's say it's two activities because most organizations don't understand that those are two separate roles yet. They just know there's hunting activity and closing activity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I like to also refer to it as, you know, you've got people that nurture and then you've got people that make deals. You know, you can mm -hmm. kind of look at it that way as well. 
And knowing that those are the two major activities in sales, those need to be handled by two different people because one, they're two different skill sets and two, they, they get measured differently. So, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, the activity around nurturing or the hunting, right? How you measure that is different than how you measure the deal makers, the people that put solutions together, uh, connect with customers on a deep level and present the right offer and, and close the deal. And that's a different skill set and the metrics to measure those things and the KPIs are different. And so that's why I'm a huge proponent of separating those into two functions at minimum, two functions. Now, the bigger the organization, you can get into support functions. Like you can have sales engineers, you know, Mm -hmm. and they kind of come along and they assist the main closer, right? You can have sales administrators and they're there to assist in the deal making and to handle you know, research or proposal development or, you know, what have you. So there are a lot of other functions that can grow as your organization grows and especially as in complex sales. But let's just speak very generally and simply for the benefit of everybody here today. The two major roles are the, you know, the hunter and then the closer. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to get those separated and then understand the KPIs of each because they are very different. So Hunter is going to have a KPI around generally, uh, you're gonna, that person's going to have a KPI around qualified appointments for the closer. Like that's, mm-hmm. the num- that's their currency. You'll hear me often talk about that in uh, these various episodes. And if we were to chat in person or if you, you've heard me speak, I talk about currency of the role. Uh, of a, any given role within an organization. So for example, if you're the head of operations, what is your currency to the organization? What is the thing that brings value? And the thing that brings value if you're the head of operations, let's say you're a services business, it's gross profit, right? Ultimately, that's the major currency. And if you're you know, a hunter, the, you, the currency of your role is, is the qualified conversation with the main salesperson with the 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 deal maker. And so mm-hmm. knowing that that's the KPI, getting that right for your organization is really critical. And then you've heard us talk about in other episodes and then you could develop a bunch of metrics to to start to understand, you know, and get predictive about whether or not they're going to hit that. But that's not a a revenue KPI. It's not a contract value KPI. And I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, I love that. I love speaking in terms of currency because at the end of the day, we all are just branches of this tree and we all got to play our part, right? And so knowing what that is and and thinking of it tangibly as the currency you bring, I think is super helpful. So Yeah, yeah everyone in the organization has a currency. And I think thinking of it that way helps us narrow down the KPI for each role. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me talk about ad nauseum one, maybe two KPIs per person, not many. It's, it, there's, a one, there's a primary one, and that's their currency. And so I would have you look at everyone in your organization through that lens. What is the currency of each of these roles? And then you might have a secondary KPI if there's some sort of qualifier to the first. And you've heard me give examples around uh, a salesperson might have uh, $500,000 in contract value is the KPI, uh, or contract value is the KPI that targets $500,000. Mm-hmm. They might have a secondary KPI. And remember, KPIs are must hits. Those are the must achieve job performance things. So 
KPI is contract value, the target's 500,000. They might have a secondary one that is uh, four customers minimum. And the reason that might be included in there is because uh, maybe the organization doesn't want contracts less than $125,000. They don't want that salesperson to hit their $500,000 KPI target with you know 50 customers, mm-hmm. right? They want it done with four. And so that would be a, a scenario where you have two KPIs and then everything else like days to close, close rate, um, number of line items sold, like all those things are just metrics. They're indicators to help that person be predictive in their job. Yeah. And you should hit those, but if you don't hit those, it's not the end of the world, but the KPIs are, the I mean, KPIs, those are the ones you have to hit. Those are the ones you have to hit. Yeah. And, and I, I often tell executives, Hold people accountable to the primary currency of their role. There might be a secondary qualifier KPI. Beyond that, you use the KPIs as tools, not as uh, performance review material. Mm. That's critical. The, the metrics are tools for you to be predictive and investigative in a reactive way. If you don't hit the KPIs, you can start to investigate why that didn't happen, but they're not what people are accountable to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the hunter we're talking about the currency there uh, is going to be appointment set, right? And then that gets then passed on to the closer, right? And so, what is the currency for the closer? So, in your organization, how you measure deal flow, the color of that is how you're going to measure that. So, whatever whatever color you would add to that, that's most important for your organization. That's what the KPI is. So for example, if it's, I mentioned contract value, it might just be contract value. That's the number one currency that they need to bring to the organization. And so you might say KPI is contract value. The target is 500,000 per month. Yeah. So you're saying this is for the closer, not for the sales team at large. This is their actual currency. Correct. That, and mm-hmm. that could be the same for the head of sales, right? Like they, they could be one in the same and likely are one in the same. Yep. And so you would, in that scenario, they would say $500,000 of contract value is the total KPI. You have your KPI and then the target. Got and it. then again, you might have a second KPI if there's a qualifier or some other must have uh, along with that 500000 such as you know, 500000 in contract value and um, number of extended warranties, you know, the percentage of, of contracts with extended warranty. Right. Yeah, that might be a requirement. That might be a qualifier to that first one. 25% of contracts have to have an extended warranty, as an example. Yeah. And so those would be the kinds of KPIs you would put on the closing or the deal-making mm-hmm. activity, the deal-making role. Some organizations, maybe their prices are pretty set. And it's not about like, they don't necessarily need to measure like contract value. Maybe they're just measuring quantity. So right. you need to bring on 50 new subscribers per month. Like maybe the mentality is the color in how they talk about growth in their organization. Maybe it's subscribers. Maybe mm-hmm. subscribers is like the big thing. And so you would have a, a, a subscriber KPI and a target of, let's say, 50 per month, yeah. right? So it really depends on your organization. What is the currency you know, for that function? And then develop the KPI accordingly. Yeah. So now if we're talking about two different roles that both have two different currencies, um, we know that some organizations, this is going to be one person, but ideally we're saying break this into two different people. So if we've broken it into two different people, 
the challenge that we see a lot is that most organizations have one sales pipeline. The lead comes in to the sales pipeline, and then it goes through whatever, 4, 12, 64 stages till the either closed one stage or the closed loss stage. And where this becomes a problem in what we're talking about here is that with one pipeline, it's hard to measure those two different currencies. It's yeah. hard to pull them out separate from each other and really pull whatever reports you need to to get to hold these people accountable. So what do we do about this? Well, I think that goes back to one of the things we've talked about in the past, which is you know, when you understand the macro funnel of your business, which is to say for every major milestone in the customer journey with your brand, you have all of these points at which you can positively or negatively influence revenue outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And so each of those things has a, a primary outcome you could measure. And so similarly with these two roles, because we just talked about their primary outcomes or their currencies as we've been talking about them, because they have these two primary outcomes, you want to have two distinct ways to allow them to manage that process to get to that outcome and two distinct ways to, um, to visualize that as well. So yeah. what, what, one of the things that we've been recommending a lot is to use your deal pipelines also for your hunt, for your hunter role, for that BDR, if you call it, or an SDR, whatever you call it, that hunter role, set up a deal pipeline just for them. Now, there won't be any contractual value assigned to, e- to each deal, quote unquote, which if you're using deal technology right now, sales software right now, you'll know that when you put in a deal, it's a potential deal and it, you've got a dollar amount and there's probabilities, right? Well, when you set this up for your hunter, every deal that goes in is just going to have a, a zero, a zero dollar because they're not at the point at which they even know what the value of this potential deal is because the goal of this particular pipeline isn't to close it a sales contract. The goal of this pipeline is just get them into an appointment with, you know, whoever your your deal maker is. Yeah. Now I think the one nuance would be appointment. is if you are selling widgets that cost a hundred dollars every time, then obviously you do know what that potential value is, but it still doesn't serve a huge purpose in this it, initial one. It doesn't pipeline. serve a purpose for this person because remember their currency to the role their currency to the organization is qualified appointments for the deal maker. Mm-hmm. That's their value. That's their ultimate value. And if they do that and they kill it, then they're doing their part. Mm-hmm. And then in theory, if everyone's doing their part of that, that macro funnel, then you grow and everyone yeah. wins. Yeah. So I would set up a deal pipeline specifically for your hunters and put them in. And oftentimes in these sales softwares that you interact with today, most of them will have really cool Kanban views. If you're not familiar with what Kanban is, it's that column view where each column represents a progressive stage in a process. It's linear, but it represents a progressive linear process. And so now you can visually see if you're wanting to hold this person accountable, you could pull up their Kanban view and just see where are things piling up? Do we have a lot of Contacts piling up in the new column. Why are they just still sitting in new? So it's a great, easy visual way for both the hunter and the manager to look and just see. Okay, is this thing flowing? And mm-hmm. I like to talk about I like to talk about business and process in terms of flow. And ultimately, what you're trying to do as a business person is you're just trying to create flow in this system that you've got. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
That's, I mean, simply put, you're trying to maximize flow. And so when you use tools like Kanban, you actually get a visual of the flow. And so it becomes really useful. And again, when you drag it to that closed one column, you're going to rename that from closed one to something else, whatever is meaningful, like qualified appointment set, you know, Mm -hmm. intro call scheduled, whatever Mm -hmm. that, that first step is in your main pipeline, you name it the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. in ours, that's what we do is we take the closed one column of that BDR pipeline and then the first column of the main opportunity pipeline, and they're the same name. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's where they connect, even though they're in two separate, you know, boards. Yeah. And if you like technology, this is where it gets really fun. Um, we talk a lot about HubSpot because that's what we use. And so when we build these out in HubSpot, what's really fun, what's really cool, and I'm sure this is available in other softwares as well is you can set validation rules on each of these columns in the Kanban board. Meaning, uh, my, my hunter is not allowed to pull a card into a certain column. Like, let's say they're not allowed to pull it into closed one without having filled out, um, you know, one, two, three, four different specific fields. So it'll stop them from doing that. So that's, that's great in terms of uh, mandating the process and making sure that you're governing it. In addition to that, you can set up tasks to be automatically assigned to this person when they drag it into each column. And this is hugely helpful because when you get a new lead in, sometimes that lead came in from an inbound source. They downloaded something on your website or they filled out a contact form. Sometimes they came in because you went and bought a list and imported them or you met somebody at a networking event and put them in. And when you put them in, you might want to have follow-up tasks for yourself that are different based on the way they entered. And so when we set it up this way, using this Kanban view, as they drag the card into the appropriate column, maybe they drag it into um, you know, nurture for outbound or nurture for inbound or whatever you want to call them. You can have different columns you pull into and that will assign tasks for this person who is managing this, the salesperson, so that they don't get... Um, you know, they don't get confused at who they're working and they don't get confused at what type of outreach or nurturing should be in place for these people. Yeah. Using this technology is very, very cool and it's fun, especially if you geek out and like we do, but it also can be very empowering. If you just do mm-hmm. a couple of simple things, you know, you mentioned that the people that come into your database come in in various ways, there's various lenses mm-hmm. And so you mentioned the list, you mentioned you met them at a networking event. And so if you're able to just identify that when you input the contact, you can leverage that data, right? You might have a field of like source and then source detail, right? So you Mm -hmm. might say, oh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, networking, and then it might be like trade show conference, whatever, like whatever detail you feel you want to record, you can use that data and then trigger different follow-up activities. Like you said, maybe you have a high value sequence. Maybe in that high value sequence, they get mailed the book that your company wrote and they get, you know, um, things physical in the mail and they get stuff. Maybe they get invites to the, to the box you have at the ball game, right? So you could have like Mm -hmm. a high value sequence. And so it allows you to be Mm -hmm. very tailored to these individuals and, and cater to them in ways that are appropriate to not only who they are, but potential and perceived value to your organization should they become a client. So super fun stuff, right? Uh, you mentioned, you know, dragging them mm-hmm. on that final column that's closed one. And if you rename that like intro call scheduled, you can have that kick off a whole host of things. 
You can even have that change the certain status fields so that way they're no longer getting automated uh, nurturing from the marketing team, right? Like, okay, now they're talking to us one to one. Let's kind of pause what marketing is doing. We can you can do that in an automated fashion when you empower these people with very basic technology like we're talking about. It's it's very simple on the surface, yep. but extremely powerful. Yep. You know, another benefit of breaking out these two different pipelines is the reporting. So you may or may not be familiar with conversion funnel reports where you get to see how many came in the top and then how many of those went to the next stage and how many went to the third stage. And you can see a percentage of, uh, you know, kind of your what's falling out uh, at each level. And when you do one pipeline that, that represents every lead that ever came in and every deal that ever closed, that gets to be pretty, in my opinion, pretty unuseful because you have a lot of people falling out at the top in that particular pipe and very few shaking out at the bottom. So your conversion rates are very, very uh, like disparate, right? You've got high conversion rates, maybe at the top and very low at the bottom. When you break it out, you can now have two different conversion funnels to look at. You can say, are my hunters converting from one stage to the next in an effective way? And right. where are these people getting stuck? Where's our bottleneck? Let's go optimize that stage. If they always make it to the, um, you know, they accept a phone call from the hunter, but they they never they never follow they never show up at the actual meeting with the account executive. Well, you can optimize that there, right? Um, and it's easier to see, and it's easier to hold different teams or different roles accountable when you can see where their conversion rates are falling off in their own little pipeline. And I would suggest, I'm going to bring up another angle on this, Joe. I would Mm -hmm. suggest that when you do it this way, you're actually building your business around value to customers. Mm. And the reason I say that is because if when you break it apart, if you notice that to roll just isn't getting the qualified appointments, you know, to the 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 degree to which you need to fill the main sales pipeline, Mm -hmm. it allows you to ask, you know, why? And it, it allows you to dig in and, and understand, oh, the marketplace is not resonating with this offer, this one single you know, offer that this person has around a problem or problems that your organization solves. And so I think it allows you to improve the value you bring by breaking it out this way instead of just lumping it all in to the kitchen sink where you have a number of different objectives that your buyer is is trying to accomplish in their journey. And so I, I would encourage everyone to think about this process in terms of the buyer's journey and the journey they go through to understand the value they're looking for at each stage. Because in that initial stage, when they engage someone who's a hunter, the value they're looking for is that kind of like problem solution, you know, discovery. They're not at decision discovery, you know, like path choosing a path, choosing a provider. There's mm-hmm. still more problem solution discovery. So that has different needs. And so you need to bring different value. You know, One of the things that could be really helpful is when you map out this journey, uh, we call these life cycles, by the way, all these different stages that they would go through. It would be helpful if you, in your organization, you map out these various life cycles that your buyers go through and then map that to the the most appropriate call to action, the most appropriate next step that they could be taking, and the number one thing you could do to help them at each of those life cycle stages. We often call that life cycle stage mapping. And in fact, 
uh, what, here's what we should do, Joe. I know we have a tool like this that you, you have developed. I think mm-hmm. we should um, give this as a, a copy to our listeners. So if you're- Yeah, a- absolutely. If you were to go to our website and just search on the website for Lifecycle Map, uh, you'll be able to find this tool and download it for yourself. It's actually pretty cool. And it, it, it's something we should talk about maybe at length on another episode, which is what do life cycles mean and how do we align at every life cycle stage? And maybe even furthermore, what are lead statuses? Because lead statuses are a, a kind of a micro nuance of what happens along a buyer's journey. And so this tool helps you with both of those things. We aren't talking about those on, on this episode, maybe on the next one, but it also helps you in ideating what your two different pipelines should be, how to break them apart, and what yeah. kind of validation and what kind of KPIs to track against each stage. Yeah, you're, you're so right. It's really important to understand that because then what you do is you modify your, your CRM, whatever that is, if it's a marketing CRM, sales CRM, or both, or you, know, you have HubSpot like we you know, like to talk about, you, mm-hmm. you then can modify that system to then fit the nuances of your sales process. So for example, you know, life cycle stages are very standard and common, but mm-hmm. then you might have nuance based on a status. So for example, you know, we might have one that is sales qualified lead, but you might have nuance to that, which is you know, working or nurturing as mm-hmm. an example. That might just be a real basic status to that sales qualified lead. Now what you can do is you've got this combination of sales qualified and working. Okay, mm-hmm. sales qualified and working, don't send them nurturing emails, right? That, oh, that yeah. may be a decision in your business. Don't send them marketing nurturing emails when it's sales qualified and working. But if it's mm-hmm. sales qualified and a status of nurturing, go ahead and continue to send the marketing nurturing emails. And so it allows yeah. you to take the major stage and just the major stage is important because it allows you to zoom out and just look at your database and see, okay, where is everyone flowing right now? Like, what does mm-hmm. the flow look like? Where is everyone sitting? What are the conversion to the major stages? And then the status can provide an additional layer of nuance, like, okay, how is that contact being sold right now? Yep. Yeah, again, so if you want that tool, um, it, you can go to buildingyourdigitalutopia.com and just search for Lifecycle Map and it should come up for you there. Yeah, Lifecycle, one word, Map, mm-hmm. second word, Lifecycle, Map. Mm-hmm. Great tool. I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. Uh, I know you messaged me uh, about that here a moment ago with the link, but we're going to uh, make sure DJ gets that link in the show notes as well. Uh, is that possible? I think DJ, if he messages me and tells me <clears throat> if that's possible, I'm not the D- tech guy. I'm pretty There's sure literally that's nothing that's <laughs> impossible for DJ. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, DJ <laughs> just messaged me and said, yes, of course, of course dumb Frank should know you dumb can put Frank. links in show notes. So yes, Maybe we'll DJ. have the link in the show notes as well as, as you mentioned, Joe, building your digital go and search the life cycle map. That's all we have time for today. This has been super fun. Thanks for joining us. Join us next week for episode 41.